Welcome to the Ad for Mini and podcast. Uh, this is a recent story. Spying on heaven. I hate to tell you. God is a vicious little fucker. A voice announced. Waking Bogomil with a, with a start. Dark eyes blinking in the hot urban sun, trying to work out where he was and who was speaking with such a voice, deep, booming, seeming to shake the tarmac roof upon which he sat. Then it continued. And on the odd day he could be honest with himself. He knows it. Will this be one of those days, sir? Asked another voice. Gentle. Foreign sounding. The boy twisted and looked around, reloading his surroundings. Two empty tins of beer. Snuck out of the box Dad kept on the floor by the fridge. Crumpled onto the rough surface. A Greg sausage roll. The wrapper, anyway. Discarded on the floor. Along with a magazine. Borrowed from a box Dad kept on top of the wardrobe. The one he thought no one knew about. Pictures of plump, naked women printed on thick matte paper. Images maybe 30 years old. Surrounded by writing he couldn't read. Wearing poses he hadn't experienced yet. He was sitting on a flat roof. The roof. Bugamel's favourite hiding place when he wanted some space. Some freedom from his two brothers and their fists and their taunts. The space was... It- accessible through a gap in his back fence, up a series of plastic drain pipes. It was his secret kingdom. The voices were drifting up through a thin slit of open daylight, so he crept across, fragments of tarmac cracking and scraping his bare legs. There were two men standing by a sink in the little community hall where all the alkies and druggies met for their support group. One was the biggest, toughest-looking bloke Bogomil had ever seen. And he towered over a fat little Asian fella, who for some reason was wearing a thick knitted Christmas jumper on a hot day in June. Fat man Bogomil thought from his perch, had a pleasant face, with an expression like a calm day in spring. He's hard work, the man mountain continued. The fat one looked sideways at the big guy, and Bog could tell he agreed, but he said nothing. Bog pressed his head onto the glass and could just about make out the, the scrawny figure they called God, who appeared to be more concerned trying to make himself comfortable on the hard plastic chair than with their discussion of his failing. He seemed to be prodding and stabbing his bony rear no matter how he arranged himself, and he looked agitated and volatile. The community centre echoed with the sound of cups and saucers clinking, Coffee and tea being prepared by a strange-looking grey figure who Bogomil couldn't quite make out. Partly because of the posts and sections of roof obstructing his view of the show. Partly because he just seemed hard to focus on. Bog just couldn't seem to see him properly. He busied himself, or herself even, with the recessions table. Moving bourbons and ginger nuts about a tray, picking off custard creams here and there. Okay, dearies, called a voice originating from a person that Bogomil couldn't see. Time to join the circle of fun. Bogomil. Bog, to his school friends, liked these little sessions. You heard so much life discussed. All the things grown-ups normally kept secret, their loves and their weaknesses, their fears and desperation. 
Often they would talk about them in their lives, their lowest ebb. He heard the expression rock bottom again and again, and was baffled by some of the stories, strange, almost demented encounters and portrayals. But he'd never seen this lot before. They were new. They tramped over to the centre of the room, so Bog tiptoed across to the main skylights for a proper view of their circle of ten or eleven figures, mostly men, but a couple of ladies as well. They were healthier looking than the usual types who held meetings like this. Not ravaged by their addictions, he wondered what their thing would be. So, said the woman in a plummy, lilting voice which made Bog think of rivers and orchards and flowers. A plump, friendly looking woman in a summer dress. Who is going to kick us off today? There were murmurings, but no one seemed keen to go first. In the absence of a volunteer, maybe I could ask you to speak first, God. It's been a while since you joined us. Bog peered through the glass, streaked with the dust of a city, which had known no rain for weeks, and made out the shape of the skinny figure, scrawny either, who appeared to be wearing some sort of shop assistant's uniform, who looked unwilling, but spoke, as requested nonetheless, in a flat, monotone voice. Hi, my name is God, and I'm attending this group because I need to learn not to be so violent with my world. Welcome back, God, the group chorus. And please remind the group why you've come to these steps. To try and learn how to treat her, my woman, my world, right again. Because if I don't, she's not going to take it much longer. The man ran a hand through his thinning hair, a little greasy. Look, I didn't really want to come, but she insists, and unless I want our trial separation to be made permanent, I attend. And I don't, I really don't want that. Go on. I love her, you see, he told them, looking across to a green-cloaked dwarf for reassurance. Even if she never knows how much, I do love her. God lifted a chipped cup of coffee to his lips, breathing in the sour aroma of instant coffee, then sipped, wincing as the liquid touched his lips. Part of the problem is, I just get so jealous when I think of her, he said. So I find myself dishing out these little punishments, even when I know deep down she's done nothing to deserve it. Little punishments, someone said. God shifted again, muttering about the bloody chair to no one in particular. Nothing really, he told the group. A tidal wave here, a nuclear explosion there. She's my planet, so she needs to know who's in charge. But she says I need to respect her more. You judge these uh, correctives? To be small transgressions, then. It was nothing, really. His voice rising, just a touch. The global equivalent of a black eye. But the problem is, the beatings are not having the right effect anymore. More and more, she doubts me. God lifted his slender arms towards the ceiling, revealing damp patches on his nylon shirt, then explained that the bacterial cells which formed her become sentient and less forgiving of his whims and admonitions. 
Look out the window. See what they've built. They're losing space. Bob glanced over his shoulder at the City of London in the distance, new buildings springing up all the time. It was an impressive sight. The fat man leant back in his own chair looking comfortable in the small plastic, despite his enormous girth, closing his eyes as a Christmas jumper strained, the snowman adorning his stomach which was growing enormous. You will not be punished for your anger, he told him. You will be punished by your anger. Thanks, Buddha, that's deep. Did you get that off your deep thought for the day on Twitter? The man shook his head. Seriously, the grown-ups are talking now. The man called Buddha cracked his knuckles, the noise echoing off the bare walls of the community centre. God, you know I preach peace is the only true path. You do rather test my patience, old chap. God glances at Buddha, looking surprised at the sharpness of the rebuke. Then, look, back in the beginning, God continued, but then stopped, his eyes clouding over for a minute. Other worlds and places visible in them. How I love that phrase. In the beginning. In the beginning. I was a god. We all were, dude. Said an American guy in a shiny jumpsuit. No biggie. Don't do me, you were a minstrel. There was no glory in that, he said. Then ignoring the man's rude expression, he continued. You know what it's like with a woman. Early on, you promise her everything. Take care of her. Of the little cells which form her. The people equals them. I gave her so much. A beautiful garden. Lovely food. Livestock in the millions. Trust in me, I'll see you all right. Just do what you're told. Sounds like a fine deal. Big man continued. I did my best. Sure, sure. Sometimes she was forced to go without in life. Well, the extra sweet chocolate topping on the mocha would be life everlasting if she put up with it. Mansions, clouds, reunions with long lost loved ones, the whole kit and caboodle. She bought it then, poor ass, shaking his head, stupid grin on his face. <laughs> That's the girl I remember. Very trusting. God looked up at the big man, a nasty look in his eyes, but he didn't say anything. He continued. I... I made her a promise, see? Unbreakable. A life after death deal. I promised her and the cells, if they were good, obedience, they would all come back. Live forever with us in heaven. And then she touched my face and she told me she trusted me. That I had a truly kind heart. I wept that night. God lifted his coffee cup to his lips, discovered he'd drained it, then placed it on the floor with a clink. I was committed to that promise too. I'd bring every single one of those creatures back, I told her. Well, the ones that worship me at least. <laughs> I'm certainly going to try my best. The plump woman frowned. How does that work then? God stared down at the linoleum, shaking his head. I don't know. 
still trying to work out the details. No, it's time to work out the technicalities of the retrievals yet, he said. Then grinned. A mean piggy look in his eyes, which, which reminded Bob of his dad on a Friday night after too much beer at the club. Well, since I've not set a date for what they call Judgment Day, I've got some wiggle room. It sounds very clever, the fat man said. I was trying to instigate a cyclical system along similar lines. How are you going to manage doing all of them at once? I don't know, he repeated. To be honest, I don't completely remember where they all are. Some days I can barely keep track of the living ones, let alone the location of their dusty, decayed remnants of long dead. Another coffee? The big man asked, patting him on the shoulder. Thanks for, uh, four sugars, please. The one he'd called four disappeared, then returned with a couple of fresh mugs of instant and some sachets of sugar and milk. God continued. Most of the things I promised her were just shit I made up after letting her down again, he admitted. A way to wipe the look of sadness from her eyes. Where did that look of sadness come from, God? The plump woman asked, and God glanced at her, twisting again on the hard plastic chair, not answering the pointed question. It'll all come right, I told her, although I warned her not to rile me up so much in future. Sounds like got a bit of a temper. Way back when, back in the beginning, she would have said sorry. Said she hadn't meant to upset me. But now she just stares me down, this cold look in her eyes, which makes me want to weep. A fool, he said, looking at the big man. You understand, right? You had a few rages, you yourself in the past. You know it's not easy. She's a different time now, he responded. I'm a different god, he agreed. This group has helped. God! said the woman. How have you been treating her recently? Gave her a new disease last week. God stared at the floor, looking both guilty and proud. Did she do something to cause this? Kinda. What happened? Did she hurt you somehow? Some of the minions, he looked around at the group, the cells, well, they keep putting videos on this YouTube thing saying things like I don't exist even though a whole bunch of them say it's wrong say I'm there for them just have faith I get so mad so I made AIDS airborne it'll take a while to kick in but they'll get the message what message to love only me I suppose I've had a few glasses of brandy see he concentrated hard on the lino, like he was gathering his thoughts. He looked over at four. You know I get a bit maudlin after I've been drinking, and I'd had a couple of spliffs, and I was so sick of her shit. So you blame her for the non-believers? God took a sip of the coffee. Well, she could do more to keep them in line. In the old days, when she believed I'd created them, she would have never put up with people bad-mouthing me, but... Then she started going through my jacket pockets, in a manner of speaking, and found out all this stuff about the dinosaurs, and evolution, and 
everything, and suddenly she's considerably less certain of me. Little Miss Doubtful. What's it matter, though? If the atheists don't believe, she still loves you, even with all that shit you've pulled. God shook his head from side to side. It bugs me. I guess I worry I'm not enough for her. I mean, back in the day, she had a bit of a rap, she said, looking accusingly around the room. Half of you guys took her for a spin back then. So I made the rules clear. Me and me only. And for the longest time, she understood the deal. Me and me only, and I'll look out for her. True, but you put her through some things even then, interjected a well-dressed man. Floods, pestilence and the like. And she was on her knees, just trying to please you. Spare the rod, Rama. Spoil the child, God responded gruffly. That's what my old man used to say to me, and don't I know it too? God appeared to reflexively put a hand to his back, as if remembering some long ago asked whooping. And Bog had a sudden flash of his own father again, in a Friday night fever, thinking of whiskey, black leather belt gripped in his bony fist, and rubbed his own back in sympathy. A pudgy, dark-haired god spoke up and tried a different tack. Have you considered you might want to see other worlds again? Or even be non-exclusive? I've seen the way you are with that little planet on the Horsehead Nebula. She seems nice. God smiled at this. And Bog had a sense that this woman had been more than nice to him. But he was less keen on the missus sharing the same freedom he had for Rome. She just needs to do as she's told, he said blankly. One of the others spoke up, the grey one with the custard cream, who from this angle appeared to have more arms than the usual number. Probably a trick of the glass distortion. Look, from what you're saying, I'm not sure she was the exclusive type. Hung for a long time with Zeus and his mods. Here he glanced over at nervously. Here he glanced nervously over at four. Oh, you guys were pretty close in the day. She's a very friendly girl. God clenched his nicotine-stained fingers tightly into a fist, as though he were considering pounding it into the other man's face for reminding him that four had been there first, but appeared to think better. Four coughed. What do you care if the atheists don't believe? Asked four. You still hold infinite sway over their lives and death. You're all omnipotent and omnipresent. So what do you care if... Even half don't believe. Screw them. Don't know. Makes me feel good when they all like me. God looks sadly at the faded linoleum floor, patterned with green and flecks of what might have once been white, but was now more yellow or grey. I worry that maybe the atheists are right. I am nothing. They just make me anxious. Dude. You're all three major religions on the planet, said a shabby, street-drinking, bearded figure in the corner. She still loves you to bits, man, even with all your shit. And you keep whooping her, she's bound to lose faith. How about a good visitation? Four suggested. Get your holy ass down there and find a nice prophet to spread the word. Always do this for me. It's not so easy these days. Time was I'd pick out a nice prophet, sincere, receptive, and present myself to him so he could spread the word. 
God waved a hand to demonstrate the ease with which this used to work for him. And then he'd go off and spread my word, and all would be cool again. But now, when I present myself to one of the minions, he goes off and tells everyone of my degree. And quick smart, they lock him up in a mental hospital, dope him up to the eyeballs, and start taking pictures of the inside of his brain. God stopped for a moment, as if contemplating this development. Did, did you know they can do that now? He asked the group. Take pictures of the insides of their brains, so they can almost see what each other is thinking. I don't really know how they... God trailed off, looking impressed, despite himself, at the level of education and independence his planetary achieved. Don't you think that's amazing? The woman asked. The things they've achieved... Doesn't that make you proud? It should, one must be. No, it should. But it doesn't, he said. Eyes wet with tears. But it just makes me think the day when she doesn't leave me. Or any of us is getting even closer. It scares me. Bob watched this strange conversation from above. So he wondered, what was their thing? Not booze or gambling. The usual wife beater groups met on Thursdays. The meeting for the victims of spousal abuse was Mondays, but this lot, they were something else again with their odd delusional asides. I even sent Jesus back, you know, God told the group. And Bog saw a tall and ancient-looking African man and Mama E exchanged a knowing glance as he continued. Not that the ungrateful little shit wanted to go. Well, they did nail him to that cross thing, a man said in precise tones. You wouldn't help him. He was in counselling for years after that. What happened when he went back this time? Did they nail him to something else? Well, I picked a nice religious country called America for the second coming. And I warned the little hippie, none of that peace and love shit, not like last time. Hellfire and damnation is the message I want you to take back. He waved his hands in the air dramatically. Tell them we're back and about to go all Old Testament on their asses until they fall into line. What happened to the Thebes? The American police, they shot him, he said. God had retracted into himself and began to pick at his fingernails with a small pearl-bladed flick knife he'd retrieved from his shirt pocket with a click, click, click sound just audible up on the roof of the community centre. Then they burned down his compound and made it look like an accident. Bastards. But surely he was a martyr, asked the man. That's a big deal. They used to love all that stuff. Barely anyone even registered it. The news report said he was a nutter. A cult leader, they called him. God looked into space for an age, and the group was about to move on to the next member when he continued. The boy, my boy, he hasn't spoken to me since. Said he's got his own life to live, and he's met this nice prehistoric planet who he thinks he's got a future with. Says he wants to learn from his daddy's mistakes and treat her nice. Seems like a nice sentiment, says Mama E. Seriously, maybe she's not right for you, said Paul. Maybe you should both. The other people. You would say that, wouldn't you? You never got over her anyway, God said, staring with building rage at four. 
He seemed to simmer down when he noticed the poor bristle and flex his sizable muscles. Jesus, God, are you still on about that? Force shook his head. I've moved on already. Then Mama E interjected. Oh, really, God? Oh, seriously, do I have to keep calling you out? Look, God, she was a very friendly girl in her formative millennia. She had a number of acquaintances, but she trusted you implicitly. Then you had to fill her head up with that nonsense. Everlasting life eternal, like you could do that anyway. Like any of us could. God muttered something the group couldn't hear. You need to stay in the comfort zone, man, said a handsome, green-skinned man in speedos and Hawaiian shirts. Don't promise what you can't deliver. What we do with these planners is all smoke and mirrors, and eventually, if we're not straight with them, they work it out. A woman will take the odd slack or two because she loves you, and some, like your girl, will put up with it for longer still. But they all get there in the end. If you don't consider treating her nice, then for there will be the least of your worries. He loves me, though. She loves me. Anyway, Mama E spoke up now. I'd like to thank Joe, I mean God, for being so very open with us in the group today. I'd like you to give him a big round of applause. I think he's made real progress tonight. The circle clapped warmly, and the surfer dude patted him on the shoulder, and they moved on to some of the others. The surfer dude talked about trust issues, and Buddha complained his new squeeze kept on trying to make him go on a diet, as if being a vegetarian wasn't bad enough. Four stared at God throughout the rest of the meeting, silent as a tower block, as the rest of the gods shared their own woes, and Fog wondered what he was thinking about from the expression on his face. He thought it might not end well for this man who calls himself God. The group finished and drifted about the room, readying to leave. And when God popped into the toilet leading off the room, Bog heard Four whisper to Buddha how he reckoned she still burnt a candle for him. They even made a film about me recently. The guy in it was a bit ugly compared to me, but still, Joe's she hasn't forgotten. What do you reckon about his boy? Buddha asked. Seems a decent sort of a chap to me. Four looked at Buddha like he was thinking little Jesus might be as bad as his daddy. Chip off the old block, he said. Might come across as all peace and love, but there's something in his manner which tells me it's only a matter of time before he follows in his daddy's footsteps. Not too hard. He's a lovely guy. Trust me. All that me and only me shit's unhealthy. There's something about him. You'll see. Buddha hushed him as God returned. Then Mother Earth spoke the closing address to the group. I'm really grateful you agreed to convene here today. I do like Earth, although we must pick somewhere different next time. Thanks for the venue, God. Thanks, God, the group chorused in agreement. One thing, though, God, called a scratchy, amenalistic voice, a voice from underground, and Bog was surprised to see the indistinct grey figure, the one he couldn't make out, had spoken for the first time. God looked surprised. Yeah? The boy! Up on the roof, listening, he said. It said, and Bog's stomach 
threatened to empty at the mention of him. But he held his nerve. Well, since this is your planet, you need to decide what happens to him. Is he allowed to sell what he saw? If this world is as sceptical as you claim. It's not too much of an issue, I suppose. But it is your decision. Bog leapt back from the window, but knew in his heart the game was up, so he crept back to peer over the rim into the gathering. He saw a look of grim satisfaction on God's face, which made him long to be small again, away from all of this, perhaps in his mother's embrace one last time. It's already in hand, he said. He's going to fall from the roof when he tries to get down. The fall break his neck. Buddha spoke first. Now, really, God, is that entirely necessary? Not really, he shrugged, but would entertain no further discussion of the matter. Bog stood on the edge of the roof and watched the gods disperse in the street below, disappearing into the coming shadows of the night. Without a glance back up at his hiding space, transporting themselves by various means, all seemingly unworthy of their deified status. Ball was on a skateboard, for pity's sake. Although Bog thought he could have probably used it as a surfboard, such was the size of the thing, and plastered along the uneven East London street as he disappeared into the distance. God himself appeared to be reattaching some sort of corporate name badge to his shirt, and Mama E seemed to be trying to force him into a hug, but he writhed and resisted. Bog wondered about God's prophecy. What a load of rubbish, he told the coming knight. He had climbed down from his secret kingdom numerous times without even a scratch, so he knew he shouldn't worry too much about what God had said. He'd be fine. He gave the heavy plastic piping, which he used to descend, a sharp tug, and it felt solid enough. He grabbed his dad's dirty mag. He'd truly be murdered if that didn't go back into its hiding place. And then gripped the edge, lifted himself over the side, hanging in space. Epilogue. Paula knelt, head of the altar, and looked up at the cross. The smell of burning candles, sharp and chemical in her nostrils. She'd been there almost every day now since the fall, weeping for her boy. Dear, beautiful Bogomel, her baby, her little one. The one she had wanted so much to be a baby girl. He'd been 13 last birthday. He'd be 13 forever now. No wife of his own, no babies of his own. She looked up at the altar, face drenched with tears, and she cried out in pain, filled with the deepest misery. Why, God, why did you take my boy from me? Why, God? Why did you take my boy from me? She cried out to God. She screamed at his son, pinned and wretched on the cross. She asked him, why, why, why? But nobody answered. 
So there it is. Uh, the latest story. My latest. Well, the latest story on the Edgar Million podcast. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, hope you enjoy it. Please, if you like these, there's lots of other stories in the podcast, in the history of the podcast. And uh, also, there's lots of free stuff on Smashwords. Or if you'd rather pay for it, then it's uh, there's a small fee on Amazon. Um, so thank you for listening, and um, goodbye.